So hello and welcome to episode 4 of the 2020 season of the Shiny Side Up podcast, dedicated to improved production racing around Australia and hosted by Mick Hazelton and myself, Chris White. This is our first full episode for some time, owing to some real-world pressures interfering with our recording and editing schedule, and it's great to be back. Thanks for your patience with us, we really appreciate it. This episode was recorded on 31 March 2020, and due to length, has been separated into two parts. Part 1 covers recent news and results, and the longer Part 2 deals with some ideas for taking advantage of the COVID-19 break. If you enjoy the podcast, don't forget to subscribe on Facebook and in your podcast app for future episodes, and give us a 5-star rating. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shiny Side Up podcast. I'm Chris White, and joining me again, Mick Hazelton. How are you doing, Mick? I'm great. I'm great. I'm glad we're back into it. It's been too long. It has been, mate. And uh, look, thanks to everyone for bearing with us, uh, and me in particular. Uh, it's been a tough couple of months, uh, and and I know for all of us, uh, as we all suffer through this COVID-19 business, and um, we are going to talk a little bit more about that later. But uh, uh, thanks again for, for sticking with the Shiny Side Up podcast, and um, we appreciate you, our listeners, supporting the program. So thank you. Once again, I'd like to introduce the New South Wales IP sponsors and give them a plug. Yokohama, Aussie Hire, Faber Competition Parts, Midas, DBA, Disc Breaks Australia, Ravenol, Bring It Digital, and vSport. Please support our club sponsors, everyone out there. We do appreciate their support. So thank you to those sponsors. Let's get on to some news, Mick. So uh, COVID-19, a lot of rounds cancelled. So yeah, no real clear idea of when racing might get back underway. Well, we can't even practice at the moment. Uh, all practice has been suspended, I'm pretty sure, by any government sanctioned place. So that's Sydney Motorsport Park, because it's government owned, I'm pretty sure. So that's all. I think all, all cars, everything, cancelled yes. for the short term. Yeah. So, so as I understand it, the uh, I mean, we're recording this um, uh, today. I think it's the thirty first of March, twenty twenty. Yes. So as of today, and things do change. So, um, uh, you know, bear that in mind, listeners. But uh, as of today, I think there's uh, very strict restrictions on public gatherings, even outside now. Um, uh, two people, unless it's essential which uh, seems um, quite quite severe, but this is a nasty virus we're dealing with. Um, they, uh, talking about Sydney Motorsport Park, the um, second round of the CAMS Championship was scheduled for this coming weekend. So I think it was the weekend of 4 and 5 April. And that firstly was changed from a, a two-day combined event for I think roughly eight or nine categories. It was originally converted to a two-day event for uh, four categories on each day. So IP was going to be on the Sunday, the 5th, in order to just reduce the number of people at the track and there were going to be strict limits in terms of how many people could come. But then, of course, with the most recent announcements, and I think um, Improved Production New South Wales were one of the first categories to announce that they were going to pull out on the basis that there was just too much risk. We had uh, some uh, some older drivers who there was some concern, obviously, with the uh, with everything that's going on with the virus, and, and it seems to target older folks. And and so some of our um, uh, older drivers and, and old support people too, um, uh, there was some concern that that might obviously be... You wouldn't want young people taken home to older people as well. Make sure we're all doing the right thing by everyone. Whether you believe that the actions that we've been enforced to do are right or wrong, you know, we, we need to we need to play our part to try and help us everyone through this. Absolutely. 
I do agree with that. And also, I think there was, you know, even if you didn't look at it that way and you were just looking at it from a sporting perspective, I think, you know, it is unfair to, to you know, anyone who's out there who might have some concerns over their health, who might be at higher risk, um, you can't expect them to to um, to suffer a sporting, I guess, penalty on account of the fact that they're just trying to look after their health. Uh, and everything you say is right, of course. We have a broader responsibility, I guess, as, as, as members of the population to to try and control this. But, um, but yeah, I think ultimately it, it saw the cancellation of the round. And um, the round, though, was going to be replaced with a closed practice session, which was supposed to take place on the 4th of April, but with the most recent uh, announcements by the federal government restricting public gatherings uh, for non-essential purposes, that has also been cancelled. And I believe that pretty much all track days have been cancelled too. I know track school have cancelled their track days at Wakefield. So uh, I think that's pretty much it, really. I think for us, in terms of getting on track um, any time in the next few months, I think it's looking likely that the tracks will be closed for a while. And, and I think from a public health perspective, that's probably good, even though some of us will be frustrated and itching but uh, i guess it gives us a good opportunity to work on and improve our cars there'll be no excuses at the end of this uh couple of months mick yeah well there's still going to be excuses i know i've got (laughs) (laughs) but yeah for those who've got a brand new car that they've just finished and just got on track and got ready to race that's you know you know i don't know anyone like that of course but you know (laughs) (laughs) they must be going through hell right now gee Oh, it's, it's, it's not. It's not just. It's not just us. Um, those of us with new cars, but everyone. Everyone. Obviously, we'd all love to get on track, but this is. This is. Uh, this is above that. Um, so, yeah. But look, um, lots of other things happening. I guess uh, the COVID nineteen stuff is at the, at the front of every news broadcast currently happening. But let's talk about IP news, Mick. Let's, let's hear about our sport. Let's have some good news. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think. Yeah, look, a lot's happened in improved production. Our last episode was in late January, and since then, there's been a bit happening. So um, the survey, Mick, um, on 5 March 2020, we get an email from IPRA Australia, Brett Waters. Um, Mate, what was your thoughts about this? Should aftermarket blocks be permitted in IPRA? Uh, I think that survey's now closed on the 27th of March, so I think we're pretty free to talk about it. Yeah, right. So my personal opinion is... It's not much different to the tyre survey, as in, it's just a survey. What's going to change out of it? Like, if they explained that the process that this survey would then go on to, you know, uh, vote for clubs to give their opinion or a certain way, then, you know, maybe it would have got more interest. But personally, my issue with it is the term aftermarket. Like, that's not derived anywhere, really. You know clearly and if anything all the so we all know this is about the boss block we're not going to lie this started because of the boss block and then because of no doubt other people wanting other types of blocks in because it was deemed to be okay now aftermarket is a pretty clear term to some and not others so i think the survey is null because it leaves it up to people's interpretation of the question on how they're answering and that's why I don't I don't like it to start with I was super happy because straight away you know I thought hey IP cares this is so good and they want our opinion on it but then I thought about it more and then I've talked to other people and listened to other 
arguments about it. And I've got to say, it's the question itself is the problem that we've got. It, it's not clear and defined enough. So my personal opinion is I thought think it, still think it's great that we got asked and there was a poll to go out. But I think, and I've seen some stuff written online today just about it, that there's still a lot of conjecture and confusion about what it actually means and what the real question is. Yeah, I think I think that's probably a good point, Mick. I mean, there's two ways potentially you could look at the question. The first is, should blocks like the boss block be permitted in IPRA? Maybe maybe put it this way, should IPRA limit itself to OEM blocks that are available, you know, that are you know that come out of an IP legal car? Um, I guess, uh, or you could say, well, we've already got the boss block and that's going to stay. And so is the entire family of Ford Motorsport blocks, uh, I guess, you know, and again, noting that the, the terminology is fraught with danger, yep. but there are, it's yep. not just the Boss 302 block, but there are others uh, that could potentially fall into that category. So I'm going to call it out. I think the Holden Perkins block shouldn't be allowed in. It's different. It's been but, modified on purpose even though it's meant to be the same as the other ones, there's a few that could have it, and that's not available to everyone. And sure. but it's it's in there, and I and if you if you look at the rules and how they're written, there's no reason why the Perkins block shouldn't be in, right? But yeah. I keep going back to the same thing: the culture of the class, and and the reason why club cars were so successful, and the reason why improved production became a national category is because of how many people wanted to race it. And it's all been around what I feel this is what it's been around is being able to turn any car you like into as competitive as the best models sold by any OEM. So let's take it in today's age, we're not allowed to do, but you should be able to make a Hyundai Getz as fast and exciting as a Lancer Evo and and a Falcon BF front running Boss 302. Now, we all know that it's not going to get there, right? But if you've got the dream to be able to do that and want to do it, you should be able to, just like you can in the early model rules. So that's the culture to me. And that's where we're, the class is going off on a tangent, which sure, you know, I still love the class and everything. But this question, and I think the whole issues around it, is all born because we are locked down so specifically to certain models to be able to make fast enough cars in late model. Sure. That's my so, so as always. So Mick, that's not yeah, a and, fact. Yeah, and Mick, uh, look, and that's fine. That's why you're here. I mean, you know, I think we're all entitled to our opinions. Um, the only difference between you and I is we have a podcast where we can, <laughs> I guess, express those opinions publicly and we need to stand by them. And, and so you've offered your opinion and have you, you've explained it. I guess coming back to your concerns over how the question is framed, should aftermarket blocks be permitted in IPRA? There's one way to look at that, and that is to say, should we get rid of the boss block type exception, yep. which that's, is this that's... blocks derived, or yep. should we expand the boss block exception? Should aftermarket blocks be permitted? In other words, can I go and build a billet BP block for my Mazda, that's aftermarket, um, or can I go and you know buy some other motorsport-specific casting um, or even billet uh, that I can then run 
provided it's quote-unquote derived from some form of factory engine and how close exactly. to the factory design does it need to be and i guess then that that yeah a way to look at that would be should we take should we either reduce or eliminate the boss block exception or should we expand it uh and i guess sorry but i gotta i gotta jump in on this because you put a really yeah. good point and your point is that it, how you determine how the answer affects you or your opinion on the sport is how you mm. read the question that's what you're saying. So if you are thinking that this question is deemed to be purely around should aftermarket blocks be permitted in IPRA and you know nothing else about it, it's an easy no. Because like, no, we're a production class. We're improved production. You shouldn't be allowed aftermarket blocks. Then you take the reasoning that's been publicly written and stated behind why the, the boss block's okay is that it's derived from a normal block. Uh, Ford block, apart from the sold by foremost model, but let's get rid of that. And then the differences with the block, which is, I think, cam journal size, um, the Siamese bores and all that things, you're allowed to do to a standard block, right? Mm. So then the argument is then you could get a standard 302 and do the same modifications that come standard with the Boss 302 and not have to pay the extra or go into the engineering and you just know it's already done right and ready to go, right? Yes. So then your point is where does that stop, right? So how is, if you'd allowed an aftermarket block because you read this question and thought, hang on, I think the Boss 302 is legal and yes, so it's, and I've read it as an aftermarket modified standard block, then you could then say, well, where does that stop? They're like, are you allowed SR20 billet blocks? Or like you said, find a casting somewhere in the world that some motorsport team's done for a BP, which I'm pretty sure there's going to be somewhere since the MX-5 is such a popular track car that there could be one somewhere that could be even a short five-block run that only you, you know about, right? And then you could have all those differences and you're like, hey, I'm doing the same as what Ford have done to the standard one. It's legal. Mine should be legal. So, yes, you know, aftermarket blocks should be permitted. But then if you go all the way to full billet SR20 style blocks that are in those pro time attack cars, then it's a, if, if someone said, well, let's have a, you know, possible 2,000 horsepower strong block, then you'd be like, no, and I don't want that in my category. You know, so it mm. depends on how you deem the answer to the question that you've interpreted means how yeah. you would answer on it. Sure, I, I accept that fully. And, and I think that our own personal desires for the sport, but also our own personal biases based upon our own cars and, and our own sort of intentions around developing our own cars is going to affect our answer. So, yeah, so you know... I think the easiest way that they should have written this poll is should IP only allow blocks that have been sold in a motor vehicle? Hmm. Like that that was as part of the IPRA rules of 200 or more or whatever. It, I can't remember yeah. exactly what it is right now. Just make it simple like that. And you then could, you could say people, it, needs, yeah, it needs to be an engine number out of a vehicle um, you know, sold in a... Yeah. That came in a legal IP car. 
somewhere. Mm. You should still be able to change it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And if there's a need for a special compensation, like I think the FJ20, because back in club cars it was so popular and when it went to IP, they, they included that as a special engine because I don't think the S12 Sylvia that it came out in sold enough or was Australian delivered. I can't remember what why the FJ20 wasn't in one of our like IP legal cars. But then if you're allowed to do that, submit your forms like everyone else and see if it gets up. But yeah, Cosmos. Yeah, like that's fair. I think that's because it's open and it's clear and transparent. But this question and how you read it is not open, clear and transparent. Yeah, I, I will say, though, that I have to, like you, I have to give credit to IPRA Australia for asking the question. 100%. Um, it, it does show a degree of transparency that I think uh, I would, you know, I'm really happy to see it. And I think a lot of IP members around Australia saw that as a bit of a breath of fresh air, uh, a bit of, you know, oh, finally, they're asking us the question. Yep. Uh, now, whether that will actually agree. translate, yeah, whether that will translate into, um, you know, some sort of outcome that is, I guess, based upon the result of that survey, I guess time will tell. Um, but um, I have to give credit to IPRA Australia for that. And I think also, you know, we do need to give them the benefit of the doubt right now in terms of how this progresses, uh, that we've, that we've had that opportunity. Right. For, I've, I've, yeah, I've got, absolutely. Yeah, the tent was 100% good and I'm with you on that. Like, I, I was happy that we got asked. Definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely. It's just... So, yeah, and, and only open, obviously, to current... Uh, financial IPRA members. I think only the financial members got the email uh, inviting them to submit um, the survey. Uh, so I know a number of people who are currently building IP cars didn't get that because they, you know, haven't renewed their membership or people who hadn't renewed their membership at the time. Yeah. And there was also that interesting quote in the email uh, to those of us who were invited to undertake the survey. Again, financial members. Uh, we do not recommend competitors commence new engine builds based on the CAMS eligibility committee current ruling. A foreboding statement uh, for mm -hmm. some people out there, I think, who are currently building cars. And and and. Um, but just like we we just talked about, if you it's how you interpret that statement. If you yeah. want to read into it more, what they could be asking with what the terms and how the terms are aligned in a sentence then you could go down a rabbit hole of conspiracy almost with it, you know. But if you just take it as the intent is, they're forewarning casually. You know, I think that's the easiest way to say it. It's a casual warning. It's a caution. It's yeah. a caution, right? It's not a don't build anything because we're not going to improve it. It's a, hey, we can't give you the information that you might need to know for sure you can build the car you want. That's how I read that statement. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say that's a fair statement too. I'd, I'd agree with that. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, watch this space, I guess, and we'll see uh, what comes of that, if anything. But hats off to IPRA Australia for, for asking the question, and hopefully that is, a, um, I guess, a sign of how the national body will be engaging with its members going forward. So well done, Brett Waters and IPRA Australia, and I hope the answer is clear and um, the response is, I don't know, appropriate and measured. So, Mick, we had a few rounds of racing yep. before uh, the COVID-19 shutdown. Let's have a chat about them. Let's go back to uh, Sandown, February 15, 16. So, 
Damian Milano is back. Yes. Didn't he, didn't he put down some good some good laps? And So he qualified bad, though, right? Was it he had, I, I saw some online footage, and he had to come from the back. In one, was it qualifying he didn't do well in, or race one? I can't remember. Because I think uh, one of the other big banger Commodores qualified pole because it was a drying track. But, yeah, he stormed through him. It was great to see on the footage that I saw. That's It was great. It was really, really good. And to also note, that I, I believe there was a good four or five cars on the same speed, though, as well. Yes. It was good racing on what I saw yep. online. Yep, and uh, it does. Yeah, it does seem like there's uh, some cars that have taken a bit of a step in, in uh, especially the V8s. And look, Sandown, you know, traditionally favours the big power cars, but we also saw Nathan Robinson running competitively toward the front, which is um, uh, encouraging for him. I think when they get to the tighter tracks at, 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 at yep. uh, or certainly the corner speed tracks at Phillip Island and at um, at Winton. So, yeah, I think it uh, looks to be um, a, an exciting championship this year if if Milano runs the full. Uh, yeah, season. It doesn't look like there's an easy pick, even though last year wasn't either for them. It was a fight all the way, you know. But I'd have to say that there was definitely a favourite ball last year that was running. Yes, which was Luke, you know. But and everyone chasing him, and then he had some bad luck. But it looks like now there's, yeah, a good four or five cars that are going to take it all the way to the end again, which is great. And you know, I I can't talk enough about how awesome the Victorian fields are to race in and to watch even. So, you know, good on them. They're still doing good things, obviously, and it's um, it's really good to see. And I would like to also say, obviously, with, with Milano back, but also that front-running speed that we saw there, I think we've got a genuine, again, Nationals-level field at the front in yep. Victoria. We've talked about it in the past. They've, they, they haven't necessarily had that, you know, sort of top five Nationals pace because... Damien has been showing up and a couple other cars maybe, but also the cars that were running, I think, in past years have made a step and you've got Milano back and some other cars showing pace. Yep. Uh, that's that's fantastic as well. So they've got all the speeds covered. You know, They've got the guys who are turning up and, and doing it for fun, not yep. there for, for, for sheep stations, but you've got some guys who are, who've got serious pace. And I think, obviously, we've, we've, we've got a tight Nationals track in, in Morgan Park this year, but... I think there's uh, a couple of cars that could could well challenge. Um, yeah, even, hopefully even on that up. layer. Yeah. yeah, but even I'm going to shout out to even the the let's say the state running guys that I don't know they, they might have some national aspirations, but it doesn't seem like it when I've been around them. So like Matt Logan, he's mm. he's he's just going seconds and seconds a lap faster every year, and he's he's providing you know a good. I don't know if you want to call it the tail of the front field or the lead of the mid-pack or whatever it is, but he's going to be their, their milestone, I think, for the people coming up now. He's, he's a serious contender now, and he's driving really well. The car's... Like, it's not fast. The car's not fast. He doesn't thump past everyone down the straight like the other big six-litre mm-hmm. cars do. So it's, you know, let's call it a normal V8, <laughs> not one of those special big power ones. And it's, you know, and he's doing a great job, and because he's turning up all the time, it, it's going to, I think, strengthen their midfield even more because they're going to be pegging against him. For sure. Interesting to see another new restricted car enter its um, first Victorian round. That's Paul Cruz in the new S13. That was interesting. So I don't really know anything about it, but 
S13 is a pretty popular formula <laughs> for an improved mm. production car. I don't know if that's, it might be new to him and new to us to see, but unless it's got something different in it than the standard SR20 turbo in a great chassis that's built, then it's just a copycat, isn't it? Well, I think so, but it's always interesting. I think, yeah, we've talked about late model turbo being the way of the future i guess or at least the way of today you know it doesn't get it doesn't get a restricted brake it's way too light balanced package yeah and i think i think for that reason i mean you're seeing again we've talked about the the south australian exodus away from early model turbo and and there's been a lot of them moving to the s chassis as a as as an option for a, a you know a relatively lightweight but but better handling uh chassis um with you know really off the shelf options for suspension and various other things you know it's 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 a it's a good car probably to build and and i think again just more of more evidence i think that that more and more people in in ip are recognizing the the quality of early model uh, of late model turbo sorry and and look even with an s13 you know if you're really keen you could probably ballast it up and make it handle better and get that bigger restrictor it's you're probably adding a fair bit of ballast but you know um, the s15 is just heavy enough if you put a bit, if you build it a little bit stiffer in the cage or something, you might be able to get it up to break. Mm. But or you, know, you just build it as light as you can and and, yeah. and and make it handle better than the early model cars. Well, with I think marginally more weight. I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there, Chris. It's I think that old theory of light as you can over anything else doesn't matter on this tire and the way tracks are now tracks are more open so mid corner speed and holding your speed not slowing down means much more than the ability for it to speed back up again yeah so if you can hold your speed as you and i know we're carters so we know corner speed's king for lap times but in karting you don't race different powered vehicles that much you know like it's all pretty similar whereas in improved production the i think the it's not a myth, but the ideology of lighter is always going to be better because you're allowed the same engine rest- like rules and restricted to the same engine modifications, how much power you can have, so you just think lighter. But with the recent success over the last, say, five or six years of the S chassis and then more recent, the last two years of the Evo, which yeah. is, yeah, it has made people think, hang on, the only just as fast as everyone else down the straight now they're just going around corners so fast yeah yeah so mm-hmm. it's it's, it's that, made people think that corner speed might actually work again now on the modern tracks we have yeah for sure i'd agree with everything you say there i think that's true Not it's almost too... like you shouldn't have just built a super lightweight <laughs> 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 it's too late now mate it's too late now it's done we'll talk about that later though yeah we will, um, we will. look Wakefield Park, so um, the first round of the New South Wales Championship was uh, the 1st of March, or I think it was February 29 and March 1. So, um, yeah, two new Evos showing up and, 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 and creating some pace. I guess no huge surprise there, but good to see. Well, they've run the last couple of years. It's just they're new to the podium. And I think Steve had a problem on Saturday. Engel had a problem on Saturday. But it was two different Evos <laughs> at the yes. front. Um, I was there on Sunday. It was great. It was great watching. It was a small, it was small fields again, which you know, maybe we could talk about later, and maybe there's other things to it. But there was, you know, it was it was good to see in overs 
different people at the front, which we speculated in the last few episodes, and we've spoken about others. With we know the the fast two rocket ship evos that we've had the last couple of years aren't running the first at least the first few rounds, and yeah, we Scott Scott drove brilliantly. I I was there, and he kept it neat and straight, and he pretty much pulled just consistently away at every lap and just keep knocking down the numbers, yep. doing the times. And it would be easy just to look at the timesheets and just go, ah, oh, you know, that's so slow for a winning, you know, and what the hell's going on? But your first three unders cars, which are, I'm going to call national front-running ability unders cars, right? They're all Agreed. good drivers. They've got great cars. And they were racing very hard. Their racing was great to watch, I must admit. But they weren't like heaps faster and there's been a lot of times until the last couple of years where the evos were down into stupid fast fours and threes you know mm. but until they were there the, the unders were faster a lot of the time than the overs guys even when we had the uh, ingram brothers dominating you know in their rx7s so it's even though it would be easy to look and easy to judge and say oh you know it wasn't that hard for Scott to win. Scott Tutton to win. I think he did a stellar job. Kept his head. He wasn't that much. They were all doing the same sort of times. He was doing, sorry, the same sort of times as the unders front three. So, you know, well done. Congratulations. And it was good to see all the smiles on the podium, especially with new people holding new trophies that they never got before. It was great. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'd go a step further than that, Mick, and say, look, I mean, Scott, Scott, was obviously the quickest car on the day. Yes. And when you're in front and you're pulling away, that's that's not necessarily an indicator as to the peak speed that the car might have. If you're being pushed and pushed and pushed, maybe it's got a bit more. Who knows? Um, Who knows? Uh, but, um, but either way, you've just got to win, and he did that, and he kept it clean and got it done. Obviously, the car was well-prepared, was reliable, and uh, well-driven. Yeah. So congratulations, Scott. Um, bad luck, Steve, and hopefully we'll um, see you when racing recommences fairly soon. Yeah, uh, and hope solved whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and um, and as you as you alluded to, the unders racing was great as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I think all three drivers probably came out of every heat and just went, God, I stuffed up there, and you know. <laughs> but you know, because they were mixed around, and but they all had smiles when I spoke to them anyway. Like they might have been a little bit down if they weren't the one on top, but. But, like, that's racing. Like, you yeah. need to keep your head and you need to have the car all the time. And I can tell you now that those three guys would still be looking back and just happy that they had to fight that hard and drive that hard every single lap. And they did. Ryan, I'm team Ryan all the way. I, I love watching Ryan's videos and he drives that little thing great and it's such an animal of a little car to watch. And he, he been did it, you know, just all by himself you know just mm-hmm. trying too hard losing a little bit of concentration and he's just oh well shouldn't do that again <laughs> yeah you know, and they all they and they all had i what i think they all had good drives and they all dealt with their let's say hard luck story even if it was their own mistake and it was yeah it was great to watch i think they're going to put on a great show uh the other thing that isn't on our little check sheet here is um graham bomb he was he couldn't maintain every lap and keep with him the whole time but for the first you know, half dozen or so laps he was you know on him and crept on cracking times 
So it's great to see that he's found his form in the car again, year or two off, and then he came back last year, and then you know, he's probably just been in the car a lot more, got his head back in the game with what the car needs to go fast, and he was he was doing a great job. It was great to see. Look, I think um, you know having three different race winners across four races. You know, in close racing, the, you know, there was no one pulled away and won by a country mile. It was obviously, you know, would have been great to watch. And shame in the sense that I wasn't able to see it. But, um, yeah, it does bode well for when racing recommences. I think the unders racing in New South Wales will continue to be excellent. So, well yep. done, Kurt McCready, Justin McClintock and Ryan Jagger for some great racing and Graham Bohm as well. So, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing some more of that. That'll be good. Yes, definitely. So, Barbagello, um, again, same weekend, uh, end of February into March. Uh, looks like some good racing there too. So, um, d- it does seem that Barry Baltinas has pulled out his e- E46 M3 again, and, and he took the round, but there was definitely some some close racing there, I think, between the, the front three um, very different cars. You had um, the Baltinas E46 M3, but also mick sciorio in the ex-ledger wrx and ruben romkis who um ash told us about uh when we spoke to him a few months ago um he's got his monaro back out and um that was running solidly in the top three all weekend as well so uh looks like that would have been some good racing to watch and um yeah but barry baltinas coming out on top which is uh credit to him it's um uh not that easy in a in a in a car with less than huge horsepower to stay in front at Barbagalla, but he's obviously managed it, so well done. Yeah, well, if you look at the fastest cars that locally have been around that track, you're going to put Dex Ledger, WRX, and Amenaro in that list. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the yep. other two had a good package and formula there to go fast, so that's excellent work for the, the BMW to take the round. And hopefully the good racing spurs on a lot more entries and and helps WA grow its fields again. Let's hope. Yeah, it, I, I, I do hope so too. And again, all those of you in WA who are listening to us, uh, got a couple of months, get out in the spanners, get your cars ready. Uh, racing will start again soon. So um, hopefully uh, you can get out there. And I'm talking in particular to um, people who might have VNs with new gearboxes and <laughs> other new cars out there in WA. You know who you are, so um, get them ready. Well, it'll it'll be so. okay if the VN doesn't race, if he's stuck in the shed getting the other one finished you know that'll be excusable well there's been some significant progress on that fox body mustang oh, i think it could be ready sooner than you think but we'll uh yeah we'll put that aside <laughs> maybe, maybe you, we'll get uh, ash back on soon and and let him um tell us all about it for sure i'm sure he'd be happy to baskerville so um again some close racing there by the looks of it between matthew grace and lee forrest who found some form uh to challenge and actually take a race win from matthew grace but matthew coming out on top so good to see uh obviously matthew was a third place getter at the nationals and obviously that sylvia has a lot of pace so yep. um well done matthew. <laughs> yeah for sure absolutely and um and and like i said lee forrest uh finding some form too so well done lee i know that car uh, take some damage uh, recently, but um, looks like that car's back uh, back in one piece and going well. So well done. So one thing on the on on Baskerville, did they get a? I didn't see the results or how many cars. Did they get a, a entry grid boost? You know, as in from the nationals last year. Does it look like they've had some yeah. success from an 
and a few more cars on track or just yeah, a few more yeah look and, and certainly a couple of the cars who raced the nationals were back uh farrell white for example in his commodore pulled it out again and he came home third for the round which uh, congratulations farrell um right. and um it was obviously back out there again punching away um in the little corolla yeah a number of cars so um hopefully that keeps up and and maybe even builds more momentum to bigger yeah, fields absolutely. in Tasmania, uh, I think um, you know it can it, it's it's good for the sport in Tasmania, and and I think uh, it would be great to see more of those people who pulled their cars out for the nationals, dusted them off, to uh, go back and 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 get back into it because uh, you know Baskerville is a great little track, and and I love watching in car from Baskerville, and I think the the, the drag strips with corners at one one <laughs> at either end, maybe not so much, but you know if you've got a lot of power, I guess, but. You know, that's that's racing and and you know you got to string it together at all tracks and and Tasmania does have some choice uh, so yeah get, get your cars out on track guys um, it'll be good so thanks again for listening and thanks again to the improved production sponsors for New South Wales Yokohama Aussie hire Faber competition parts Midas DBA disc brakes Australia Ravenol Bring It Digital and V-Sport. Thanks again to these sponsors and thanks to all of you listeners out there for supporting the show. I'm Chris White. See you later.